0: One-size-fits-all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Hello, I'm Gemma, and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who'll help us pay attention to something we should know about, as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about expectations, how social media might exacerbate long-standing societal norms, how letting go of one pressure can empower you in other areas, and what to do when it's tension we put on ourselves that's holding us back. Just a note to say that we do mention some body image and eating issues in this episode, so take care if that might be difficult for you. So, joining me this week are Alex Light and M. Clarkson. There's so much I could say about this pair individually. Alex just published her first book, You Are Not A Before Picture, which whizzed straight into the Sunday Times bestseller charts. And Em is a ball of online empowerment from spreading celebration of women, not competition with her feel good Fridays or taking the intimidation out of sports with the have goes Together, they host their new podcast, Should I Delete That, aiming to explore the nuance that's often left out of social media conversations and have a laugh along the way.
2: The irony is, is that we are taught that we have to be likable, that it's so important for women to be likable, and yet it's so much harder for us to be likable than it is for men.
1: So let's get right into it. So we're going to talk about expectations today. Um, so I guess a good place to start is I feel like you both separately and together on your platforms talk a lot about different forms of expectations and the ways that we kind of conform to those or try not to conform to them could you maybe both tell us a bit about how you came to be so sort of outspoken in those spaces like where did this bucking of expectations come from um do you want to start
0: so I think like it's important to note a bit of information about me. And that's that I grew up as a chronic people pleaser. Like Mm. my obsession with making the people around me happy was just so massive. And it's something that a lot of people struggle with, I know. And I don't think I realized, I, I don't think I'd even heard the term people pleasing until like two years ago. And once I started to learn and I actually started getting coaching, to help me because I just was giving all of my power to other people all the time because I cared so much about the opinions of others. Mm. I started to learn what I had been doing, the patterns that I'd been sitting in and I realised that really this society creates an environment that gets women that puts women in this position where Mm. we do have to prioritize how other people feel we do have to um make sure that everybody around us is happy and that we are palatable and we're likable and like so I think I I simultaneously kind of had this huge moment of like self-discovery where I was like oh my god this is my whole identity is like trying to make people like me Mm. but then also realizing actually this was Fully engineered by a society that wants to sell me things and wants to keep me small and wants to keep me chasing this sort of unobtainable way of life. And I've realized that the two things, it's been very empowering for me to share my journey with kind of unlearning people pleasing and kind of being OK with people not liking you necessarily or not agreeing with everything that you do. And I think like that is so jarring in in, this, in the society that we live in women's worth is so tied up to likability and that's a lot linked into like how we look and everything but we're, we we have to be liked in every area we have to be liked in order mm-hmm. to be a good person and actually men don't and it's so annoying Mm-hmm. Men can be ballers and just businessmen and like just you know, they can just be like, oh he's just he's he's a savage, he gets great deals, like he, you know, he's a rottweiler, whereas women are bitches and they're bossy. I was like, this is so unfair. So the two things have basically been like my own self-discovery, realising how it exists in this like parallel way to the way that we exist as women in this world, and that sucks. So it's been mm-hmm. great for me to just kind of like use myself uh to talk about it online and Kind of really explore this stuff. That wasn't that articulate,
1: but I think I think, I think it was again. great. I mean, yeah, just kind of using yourself as a case study for why this is not good for us. I guess.
2: No, Alex, how about you? Um, <clears throat> what she said? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like M, I also grew up a people pleaser, but unlike M, I am still in the depths of that and it's what is yeah. great is that I have like recognized it now and I understand it and I understand that I've always lived this way but I do still really struggle with that and struggle with um wanting everyone to like me and wanting to do what's best for everyone else and like just feeling this great weight of expectation on my shoulders but I am um, yeah so I feel like more so than M, I'm kind of trying to Um, like do it publicly I guess like go through it publicly and share as I'm doing it but my gateway into this whole thing about about this whole discussion around expectations and expectations on women was through diet culture Mm -hmm. and learning about what diet culture is which is essentially these massive expectations that women have to burden, women especially have to burden, like it's kind of there for men, but mostly women. And just being so horrified and frustrated by the fact that this, these expectations exist, that they're so pervasive and the ubiquity, I can I say that word, ubiquity, and the ubiquity of them was just so horrifying to me that I really started to lean into this um diet culture space and trying to break down these break down the concept of these expectations like why why mm. are we supposed to be thin like why are we told that we have to shrink ourselves like why are we told that if we're not thin we're not attractive or or, or, or worthy or or what, whatever it is um so that was how yeah that was how I came to start talking about stuff and then I think through I mean, it's really, it's hard to like tap into one area of things that are linked Mm. to the patriarchy without it sort of opening up a massive can of worms and realizing that it is more even more pervasive than you you, you know it's so pervasive like way more than you realize mm-hmm. and I think that's what we've been doing that with with our podcast as well this isn't just a shameless plug but now it sounds like it but this is what um, I can't say me and em without thinking of the bloody clothing clothing brand now but em <laughs> and i that's grammatically incorrect anyway um em and i have been tackling that stuff with the podcast and it's interesting just to, to Find how deep it runs, just how deep seated Mm. all this stuff is, and how entrenched in these expectations that we are, especially, like Em said, as women. Where do you
1: think, right now, most, or maybe not most, but where are these expectations coming from, do you think, these days? Because I feel like when we talk about, you talk about expectations on women, and it's very easy to go immediately to, to social media, basically. But also a lot of what we're then talking about is kind of the deep-rooted stuff that has it like predated social media by quite a long way. How do you think those things are kind of fusing themselves together right now? I don't think it's necessarily just
0: I think that, you know, social media in my mind isn't creating a vast amount of new problems. It's just exacerbating existing ones. Mm. And I think when it comes to expectations, you don't need to look that far. You can look at how society talks about mothers, you know, like you're a bad mother if you go back to work, but you're a bad person if you don't, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you can look at what a woman was wearing should she have been assaulted and, 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 and her behavior there is, is called into question and judged. And I think society although social media does exacerbate these things I think societally the expectation on women to be perfect in every area and there isn't an area I think I don't think I can think of an area where this isn't a pressure we have to look a certain way behave a certain way be mm. perceived a certain way make other people comfortable and I think it's ne- nowhere is it more obvious than than the way we talk about mothers as a society because that is an area that i mean it's a bee's nest it's huge it's not even a bees' nest. bees are lovely it's a wasp's nest it's terrifying people are you know they're so judgmental um Mm. and i think like that's just a really good example of something that women are doing exclusively and and all the time trying their best that they're judged so massively for so Mm. i just i think the societal expectation sort of seeps into everywhere um and of course social media you know yes your appearance particularly is called into things and and you do have to be palatable and you do have to not be too shouty or not be too ranty or whatever it is but it's exactly the same as what people are experiencing in the workplace or at school or or whatever it's sort of just yeah same stuff on a screen
2: basically Mm. yeah and, and i think like traditional media as well has massively perpetuated these expectations and and i was just thinking as you were talking there like the irony is is that we are taught that we have to be likable. That it's so important for women to be likable, and yet mm. it's so much harder for us to be likable than it is for men. Men can get away with the bare minimum, and people are like, aren't they a great? What a great lad, you know. What or, a great God, dad. What a great dad, uh, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, he's he cracked a joke. God, isn't he funny? You know. Whereas women really have to, like, we have to go the extra mile to be likable in so so many ways, and that's like the the horrible irony of it is that we're like taught that we have to achieve something that it takes all of our energy to achieve but then again that's a nice tool of the patriarchy because then it keeps us quieter and more obedient and uh more you know easily uh influenced so it it makes sense but yeah it's it's hard there's a lot definitely um I mean you mentioned touched upon diet culture
1: earlier which is something that you both discuss a lot do you think that targeting one of these areas so for example going against diet culture and trying to get out of that grip of sort of expectation on yourself do you think by doing that in one area it's made you feel more empowered in other areas such as the likability is it kind of once you break away from one thing is it easier to feel less like there are other pressures
2: and expectations on you So I I think, I think humans in general, right, are very, they kind of go along with what they're told and what they know, and they don't question or challenge much. And I actually think it's, 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 we're not necessarily born great critical thinkers and we don't engage critical thinking that well. And like, I never did. I, I never questioned anything, anything at all. But it was when I started to question diet culture and was kind of forced to engage critical thinking that I was like oh my god this applies to so many other areas of my life too Mm. and still now I'm like how is it that someone can say oh you're overweight or you need to lose weight and that doesn't bother me genuinely and I mean that genuinely doesn't bother me but then someone can say oh you're a bad writer or you're a bad person whatever and it can cut so Mm. deep you know And really the premise is kind of the same. So I think it's open. It hasn't necessarily solved loads of different like areas of my life, but it's definitely opened me up to, yeah, being being more critical of what is expected of me in other areas. For me on that, my endeavours as a teenager
0: and a young adult to look good, and by look good, I mean be thin, because that's what society taught us looking good meant, Mm. were... It was so huge and it was always because I wanted to be considered attractive and I didn't want to fail this like test as a woman I didn't want to I wanted to be what society wanted from me and I wanted Mm. to achieve that so that I would be attractive and I would be liked more and and it is literally as simple as that that I didn't want to be thin because I wanted to be healthy I didn't want to be thin because I wanted to be able to run really far or do anything cool with it I just wanted to be thin because I wanted boys to fancy me because that's Mm. what I'd been taught as a priority and as I started to unlearn that and genuinely my favorite thing and that the only way I was able to do that was just I, like it's the, best, quite, the best word in a woman's arsenal is why. Why do I want to be, th- because I want mm. to look attractive. to it. Why do I want to look attractive? to it? Look at most of the men that I was chasing as a teenager. I'm like, they wash their socks like once a week. They're absolutely <laughs> foul. Like they only cared about their football. A boy dumped me over email and I'm not going to eat mm. lunch because I want to impress him. Is that a joke? Like, and when you push wide, it's like, why? Because mm. they want you smaller. Because they, because they want you busy. They want you dieting. They don't want you, Monday to Friday, if you're busy thinking about not eating and being pretty and being, then then you're not going to chat up in the work you're not going to demand more pay you're not going to do any of that because you're busy you're hungry you're tired you've got stuff to think about you've got to choose what to wear you've got to do all these silly little things and just you know it's it's and then you push back why well, why do they want it? Oh, they want to sell you things so they want to make money from it and why mm-hmm. do they want to make money from it because they can and then they're going to get richer and the more you ask why The more you're like oh my god this is insane i'm ruining my own life so that this lad can get rich basically like how annoying and so once i did it there and i just realized that that i didn't my body didn't need to be liked i didn't it didn't need to be approved of. It, it was, that's a ridiculous thing to expect everybody to like it. And even then, why do I want everybody to like it? It's actually mm. odd, you know, it's weird. So once I made that piece with my body, I was like, you know what, sod it. I'm bringing the brain in like this, you know, that was kind of fun and kind of like a great revolution. I'm going to do it for the whole family. Um, And just kind of applied the same why, 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 why all the time. And my logic now is like, well, if, if men don't have to, I'm not doing it. And, you know, men don't need to, start an
1: email saying sorry so why should I love that yeah it's such a good point and I think I relate to what you were saying before Alex as well about the kind of now if people will say something to me negatively about my appearance on occasion it I mean it's not nice but it bothers me less because to me I can quite easily rationalize that and sort of think well if you're saying something mean to me about the shape of my face which has like nothing like there's nothing I could have done about that that really says more about you than it does about me whereas if people yeah want to kind of critique you in other areas and i mean this is this is a conversation we were having so i recorded for alex nem's podcast yesterday and we were talking about being cool and how that's still kind of the thing even when you let go of a lot of this other stuff yeah it's that thing the thing that carries on and do you think when you get rid of a lot and we're trying to go against the kind of patriarchal standards, do you think that what's left then that we're then struggling with is trying to get women to like us and now we're not that bothered about men liking us anymore?
0: Oh god, that's such an interesting thought. That is such a good question. Because women are conditioned to judge each other. like I think when I said earlier about mothers being a hornet's nest like that I've got I'm getting it like worse bees to wasps to hornets (laughs) getting worse I think that's actually an example of like a women-only space which should be incredibly supportive but can be very judgmental and I think Mm. that's because women are pit against each other look at Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton look at this the the way that Little Mix has spoken about look at I don't know, Taylor Swift versus, you know, it's always somebody who wore it better for as long as we've been alive, the media has always pitted women against each other. uh, Camilla or Diana, it's always women versus women. Mm. And it's, I think with that in mind, like that's, what's difficult because kind of learning not to care what men think is one thing because 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 they're men, that sounds really bad. But because you know, you 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 learn that you can't just live your life searching for male approval if you want to live a fulfilled life, fulfilled mm-hmm. f- f- fulfilled life. But I think with the with women, it, it's it's such a group activity that we all have to partake in, and that's unlearning the inherent bitchiness and competitiveness that stems from the fact that we have been conditioned to compare ourselves and to put other women down. Like all the magazines we've been supposed to for so long encourage you to judge other women and I think that's such a hurtful I think that's why it can be so hurtful when somebody criticizes something about you you know when, when another woman criticizes you because on the one hand you feel like you want solidarity and girl power and unity and we're going to fix each other's crowns but on the other hand we exist in a world that has pit us against each other forever mm. and inherently we just want to judge and and pick somebody because it makes us feel better about ourselves. So we, it's if, if I say something mean to you for a short little minute, there I might feel better about myself, even though long
2: run I won't. But that's we, no one, Heat Magazine doesn't talk about that. It's a projection of our of our own pain when we do that. It's a projection of our own pain because we are held to we are held to those standards, right? Mm. And do you know what, actually, just before talking about women being pitted against each other, just before we came on here, I saw a meme and it was, um, you know, Modern Family... Mm -hmm. so it was Julie Bowen who I don't know her name in the thing she plays Claire plays who plays Claire um so the blonde mom and then Mm -hmm. Sofia Vergara who plays Gloria who's like the Spanish mom um and like they dress they dress Gloria in like amazing like tight dresses and like really fancy dresses and she's always wearing heels and she's always super glam and like There's always like that, you know, throughout the show, there's like a running joke that like, oh, Claire's so jealous of of Gloria. And Mm. it was it was this meme was uh, Julie looking at Sophia and it said underneath the face of jealousy. And I was like, and and like, there we go. Right. Mm. If that's Mm. and that's that stuff that we're consuming all the time that's being thrown in our face. So it's just totally understandable then that we still have these. biases against women, even though we're fighting against these standards. This is something that men say to me quite a lot. It's like, well, it's women
0: that judge other women. If I ever talk about, you know, some of the things that blight women and and a lot of the time you'll find like the not all men brigade who want to wash their hands with any responsibility and blame. And they very often say like, oh, well, you know, it's women that bring other women down. It's women that judge other women. It's women that say, say a lot of the bitchy things. You know, women do tend to bitch more than men, but actually... And they're right. But the reason we do it is because of the patriarchy. Right. It is because, because we've been conditioned to do that. So not totally blameless lads, but well. Um, that, yeah.
2: always, that always annoys me when people say that. Cause I'm like, yeah, but why? Think about why? We weren't just born being like, hate other women, must bring other women down. Like there's something behind it. So like, think, let's think about why. Yeah. And at the, at the, and at the root of that is the patriarchy. Yeah,
0: because we want to be more attractive to men. It's the pick me girl thing. God, I could literally do this for days. It's so am I.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it's like you pick a stitch and you're like, oh God, the whole dress is falling apart. The whole world <laughs> is unraveling. Society is not what it was. Um, I'm going to buck my own plan for the podcast episode because we're basically now answering one of the questions I was going to ask you later. So Love that. I'm just going to read it now anyway. And then, yeah, we'll come back to other questions. So it was Althea who'd sent a question in for this episode. And said, my questions about trolling online, specifically the hate that women get, what are your thoughts on the saying women support women, but a lot of hate and criticism women get are coming from their fellow women. So that's kind of what we've just been talking about. She said, I just noticed based on what I've seen online, there is a certain group of women who have female empowerment, etc. in their bios but are the first ones to leave a negative comment on another woman's post. I just want to know your thoughts on this confusing and kind of toxic idea. So that, I guess, is kind of, there's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done. But this, I guess, is kind of when we're already in that headspace of, you know, women supporting women, how does it so often then become nasty again? in the kind of like if we don't agree with or if we feel that other women aren't as as progressive as we are maybe I'm saying that in air quotes for for the sake of the tape but do you know what I mean like how do how do we then manage to kind of go so far towards being kind to other women that we then just go back to shaming people for not being I don't know do you know what I mean
0: yeah Al, oh, I don't know about you sorry I'm just gonna jump in um, I used to be like the biggest dick. I can't tell you. Even even in my like my, the, the entry to my feminism, even it at the at the time when I really thought I was kind of like women support women, and I, and mm. I was really stridently feminist. And I which I, I actually think I've always been, although I realise anyway, I've, I've been on a journey. But I mm. think you know I don't think I've always been the kindest, and I think I, I'm not. I've I I don't. I've never done it online I've never said it out loud particularly but I've know I've had toxic thoughts and that's because I'm quite a judgmental person I realise, and it's because of my own expectations right like I always think my my expectations of other people were way too high and I was mm-hmm. setting my friends up and people I didn't know up for failure basically because I held everybody to my standards and I think and I hope I'm quite a good friend and I think things should be done a certain way and mm-hmm. I, I have this view of what I think and hope the world would look like so I, I'd held everybody up to the expectations that I held to myself because I'm like, well, that's fair. This is how I want to be. And everybody else needs to be here too, if that's how we're going to make change and stuff. And, and it's really easy to feel quite righteous within that space. And you can be mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what I, this is what I think. And I, and I think I really think I'm right. And I really think my intentions are good. And I really, and you know, I wasn't doing this from a place of like strident, like dictatoring how to, you know, be a feminist. I just, I just yeah. had this sort of view of what I thought was right. And it's very easy then to judge other people when, when they fall short of your expectations of them. And that's yeah. something that's quite difficult because we hold ourselves, you know, well, we hold, we, whether we like it or not, we put various people on pedestals and we have expectations of other women, of other people. And if they fall short of this expectation, then we do judge them instinctively. We judge them because, you know, like we've all talked about, it's sort of innate that you would. And I think that's a really interesting thing because you're setting people up to fail. They're taking a test that they don't know they're taking. You know, like mm. I would do this to my friends all the time. I'd set this quiet expectation up in my head, like, that they'll do this. Then if they don't do it, I'm like, well, oh, they're a shit friend. And then I'm like, hang on, that's not fair because they didn't know that I wanted them to do this. And they've just and yeah. now I'm saying they're a shit friend because they were just doing whatever. and. I think women quite often do that to other women with the best intentions. And it's Mm. really easy then to sort of feel this like righteous anger when actually you have to, you have to lead with empathy, particularly when you consider how many people you're exposed to online, you're seeing different people at random points of different days. And you can't possibly expect every single person to please you all the time in the same way that you wouldn't expect to please somebody else at any given time. And Mm. we have to lead with more empathy and just think, you, you, you know, these people have different tools, different lives, different worlds. And I can't expect them to whatever. But I think that's how it happened. That's certainly how it happened for me. When I found myself thinking negatively about other women, it was because of the expectations I'd put on them that were nothing to do with them. That was all me.
1: Yeah. It's interesting what you say, given even what we've just said earlier about, you know, I I don't expect people to do things that I will like all the time. And it's like you said, so why would I expect everyone to like me all the time? But I feel like that's the sticking point that I find, you know, it's like you just don't want to upset anyone ever, which I I think is, you know, a noble goal, if you like. But as you say, it just it doesn't make logical sense. I don't expect other people to walk around doing and expect them to behave in exactly the way that I would like them to all the time. But I still expect that of myself when everyone else is judging me,
2: if you know what I mean. Right, yeah, same. And it's not conducive to like a happy life either, is it? Because exactly. you're spending so it's draining and exhausting because you're spending so much time and energy on on trying to make on the on this like fairly futile goal. But just on that point, and I th- I think this is um I think kind of touching on this as well is like the whole like women support other women without exception thing and I think that can kind of lead a little bit into toxic positivity a little bit because we know we still need to hold ourselves and other women accountable and we can't you know call it calling out damage or toxicity should still be allowed and that is not it doesn't mean that you're not supporting other women I guess it's like for the the overall cause of supporting women even if it has even if one even if you have to call out one woman, am I making any sense? Do you know what I mean? I, are, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like we do still have to hold other women accountable. I say this as someone who finds it very difficult to be held accountable because I'm sensitive as hell. So when mm. someone tells me that like I've done something wrong or I need to learn more, I find it incredibly painful. But I think it's really important. And I think we, we should be able to do it without being then labelled with, oh, well, you obviously don't like women. You're not supporting other women because yeah. and and unlike m said there are, everyone's at different points of their journey and not through fault of their own just through coming to learn about all this stuff at different points and and also looking at everything through their own lens which has been crafted by you know a lifetime of different experiences so but i i do think i do think like m em said empathy and compassion is absolutely key to this like entire conversation and that's that is sad when someone is sort of preaching female empowerment and then proactively trying to to tear another woman down that is sad but again it it might be a projection of their own pain and they feel like they're being held to these standards so why shouldn't other women or they're being uh you know called out or whatever so why shouldn't they call out other women
1: yeah I mean that was going to be my next question kind of how do we then balance taking kind of like valid, constructive criticism that is necessary? How do we balance that with trying to block out or kind of ignore people's unfair expectations on us?
0: Someone told me once that you should never take criticism from somebody that you wouldn't go to for advice. And I Mm -hmm. think that's like pretty pretty crucial in the kind of like making peace with criticism right like I've, I've always been told that I'm overly sensitive and I'm terrible at taking criticism and you know it's constructive and whatever hmm. personally I don't it's interesting what I'll say there because there is definitely a, a line uh between holding people to account uh, but also sometimes I think the the something that's been really valuable for me to learn is like okay not my circus not my monkeys which is an old proverb and it's basically mm-hmm. just like sometimes you have to let other people live because sometimes you know like Al was just saying there like we all have different worldviews we all have different filters we all perceive things very differently yeah. so uh, personally you know some people message me well people message me on the regular telling me that you know I'm just I'm just giving you some constructive criticism I don't it no no thank you thanks but no thanks and before I'd have taken every single bit of constructive criticism and I say that in air quotes because I think that's just a way that very often people say that just to validate it's the same people who say that they're being devil's advocate it's like we don't need the devil doesn't need an advocate he's the devil
1: um
0: so I think very often people will sort of label things constructive criticism when really they just want to be a bit of a dick um, so i think there there is a really interesting balance to learn within yourself about what you should be taking on board because if you want to you can find criticism in anything and you can look for in a, little meanings in everything that you hear and you can you can take some feedback as criticism you know and and not everybody's going to label what they're giving you you know so, so on instagram you'll yeah. probably get like okay this is constructive criticism but in the work environment you won't get that your boss will tell you something and it's completely up to you how you perceive that because mm-hmm. he might be saying that like, you did a great Job, but uh, it was a little bit late, and you could be like, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm, I, I'm gonna be! I, he's gonna fire me! I'm just I'm the worst, and whatever." And it's like, actually you completely missed the first bit where he was saying it was a good thing. So mm. I think you have to be able to know that when somebody doesn't like one part of you or criticizes one part of you, it's not a complete character assassination of your entire being you're not a terrible or that isn't the way it should
1: be anyway no no but it
0: totally when you're you know like up to your eyes and people pleasing which was my whole life when somebody said one you know it would literally be like oh your hair looks fun today I'd be like oh my god I'm gonna shave it this is how could they I'm so ugly and like you know you take things so very often things that, that are said critically aren't necessarily a criticism and even if they are it's okay to be criticized and you don't have to agree with what the person says to you that's the other thing when you're a people pleaser you're a very malleable person so when somebody says to you oh you're a bit shouty you know that the, your instinct is just to be, okay yeah they're, they're probably right I should probably be quiet forever and actually that's that's their opinion of you and just because somebody has an opinion of you it doesn't make it that doesn't make you who you are Mm. And I think that's really interesting as well, when we take criticism to, to really work out who's giving it to us. And do we believe it too? Because sometimes, yeah, we do need to be held to account. And sometimes someone's going to give us some constructive criticism that we do need to hear. Like, yeah. oh, You shouldn't be talking like this because we're excluding somebody from the conversation. or You're not using inclusive language. And great. Call that out. And, and mm. we'll call it in, in my opinion. Often, you know, you can you can take that to somebody quietly. But yeah. and say, you know, this is what I think. And, and, and this is, you know, just helpful, whatever. And if I agree with that, then that's great. And if I don't agree with that, that's okay too. It might make me a bit of a dick, maybe if 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 they've said a good thing and I've chosen to disagree with them, but that's on me. And you do get to make that decision when somebody brings you advice or criticism, you mm. can choose if you want to take it, if you agree with it, if you, if you would go to this person to ask some advice on this issue. And that's empowering for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point about Yeah. You don't have to automatically accept things, but also it is kind of good practice either way to sort of sit with it for a second and think, okay, who is saying this? Why are they saying it? What are their points? Could I actually take that on board? And, you know, slightly change my behavior to help someone else, for example. Do I feel like that's something that I actually want to do? And then, you know, and then you do and it's great. And sometimes, no, it won't be. Um, Alex, you look like you've got, I'm going to jump in face.
2: No I didn't I was just I was just actually <laughs> thinking that I totally agree with you it's good to explore it and I was actually just thinking like I wish that was my first reaction but I'm working on it rather than go to like I'm over I'm done I can't do any of this like I'm yeah. out I'm tapping out of life everyone can fuck off and leave me alone um, but yeah I think that's a really valuable point and I guess like th- th- it's hard because this stuff is so nuanced and like what you were saying Em about like constructive criticism I guess when I was talking about it I was thinking about bigger stuff about you know if you're doing something that's harming a a group of people or yeah causing active harm but yeah the the constructive criticism thing I just I, I I kind of can't bear like people will come to me and say oh just so you know I thought your last post was terrible and I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. And then I like just a bit of constructive criticism. And I'm like, well, it's not really. And also, <laughs> I didn't ask for that. And also, please leave me alone. Um, so yeah, this this stuff is all like very very nuanced. But I think I think that that's the important part to recognise as well is that it is nuanced. So it requires us to like think about it and engage and be be more deliberate with it. And not react on our first instinct, which is what you were saying. Like explore it and sit with it and decide what you want to do with it and where you want to take it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think last thing that I'm going to tack into this portion is on your podcast. So say literally in the description, you t- say you're talking about you know exploring nuance in conversations, which I think is great. But that's you know what we're kind of doing today. I hope. But also say that you're trying to like sort of dispel some shame from people where why how did you kind of identify that as something that is so necessary and do you think it is that kind of shame that comes from what other people expect from us or is that something that we're putting on ourselves or like how how are you kind of
2: getting rid of some of that shame by having these conversations do you know I feel like I've, I I shared a meme yesterday it was like I felt guilty since I came out of the womb or something like that um which really really made me laugh but I was like I actually feel I think like I saw this actually yeah it's good isn't it um which is also true but I feel like I feel like that about shame as well I feel like I felt ashamed of myself from day dot and about mm. everything about I mean particularly my body Um, Because that's obviously, like, a huge part of my, like, journey, I guess. Um, Mm. But I have felt so much, so, so, so much shame. And I've spent my life beating myself up for things that I perceived to be bad about me and just feel you know feeling this incredible shame around stuff and Mm. it's only do you know what it was actually I was really lucky to be able to access therapy for my eating disorder and it was only when I started to speak to someone who was neutral and who I could really like let all my secrets out because it was confidential and just someone that I didn't really know that I realized so much of what we think and believe is shared by other people and so much of this stuff is so shrouded in in shame because we feel like god I'm the only person that feels this way I'm so bad I, I'm feeling like this or I'm so embarrassed that I feel this way and actually so much of it is shared by other people but we just don't know mm-hmm. because we just don't talk about it and so and talking about my eating disorder for me something that was like the biggest the thing that was so more shameful to me than anything was one of the most powerful things that I've ever done is talking about it and opening up that conversation, not just for me, but for so many other people who are like, oh my God, I thought it was just me. Yeah. I thought, you know, I was so ashamed of myself because I thought, God, this is just like a vanity thing. Like I just, I want to look good because I want to be thin, which is obviously so not true, but there is so much power in, 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 opening up about these things that we've felt shame about. And like um, Brené Brown, who I'm obsessed with, like shame can't exist in the light. And it's so true. When you bring things Mm. into the light, shame can't exist. I mean... I can probably think of a few things that like, (laughs) a few circumstances where shame could exist in the The light. The exceptions that prove the rule. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. sorry to be pedantic. But as a general premise, like shame Mm. can't exist in the light. And so it's so cool to talk about these things. And especially for women, like there are so many things that women specifically have felt so much shame about. Even like, you know, Em and I talk about um, like shaving your vulva, right? And it's, and it's like, no, people have never talked about this. And yet we've had this standard where we're supposed to be like hairless little seals. And yet mm. we're not taught, no one talks about how to shave or like what you should use or like what you should do. Do It's all just like, hush, hush. You've got, you can't have any hair down there, but we're not going to let you know how, you know? So I think and that is just like one example of so, so, so many. So I think for us, it was really, it, we were like, we want to bring these topics into the light and just make women feel less alone because I can guarantee that like the the vast majority of things that you feel shame about is a probably, you know, people listening, like it's probably a fairly common thing and it's not just you, like you're not alone. And yeah, I think, I think that's kind of where it came from.
0: I also think like something else that Al and I've realized, like, you know, we do, we are, we both work on Instagram and it's a really like interesting time with activism particularly because there's a lot of cries of like do better do better do the learning you know whatever and and that's really really important mm-hmm. but the, and we we hold each other to this very high standard of kind of we need to you know we need to know the right language we need to know the right resources we need to be sharing we need to be doing this and 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 being the best showing up in the best way that we can and, and being you know probably good people online and that's great and I know that a lot of young people feel the pressure to do that with certain things whether it be like I know something Jeremy you talk about a lot like with the environment or whatever but
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's a, so you've kind of got this like really weird time where we're all we all want to do the best that we can but we don't really know how to and there is a shame in saying that Mm -hmm. like for me personally learning is one of my favorite things to do I don't know is literally my favorite sentence in the whole world Mm -hmm. because I think we are expected to have the answers particularly when you have a platform and you're expected to have done the work and whatever all the time and and it's really hard to, to know everything and and you know actually I think sometimes just being like I actually don't know is incredibly powerful because you know you've got two ears and one mouth and so saying I don't know is really powerful because you can sit and you can learn and that's really valuable Mm -hmm. and I think we wanted to give space for learning with the podcast as well because it's okay not to know everything it's okay not to know why diet culture has you in this vice like grip you know a lot of people for example would follow uh, like Al maybe or me and or the podcast and and be like, God, I feel really guilty because I'm dieting. And, and I don't know why, because I love what you're saying, but I can't quite, I can't quite get there myself. And it's like, yeah. it's, that's good to know that you don't know because it's within that space that you grow and you learn and you form mm-hmm. new opinions. And I like, I mean, Al always teases me because I love a cliche and I want to start a French magnet business one day. But if you can't change your mind, you won't, well, if you, <laughs> if you won't change your mind, you won't change the world. And I think, like, that's what we wanted to do with the podcast. Thank you. It'll be a great magnet. I'll send you one. Um, Great, thank you. (laughs) You're so welcome. I think, um, yeah, with that, it's like we have to give space to to help people learn and not do it in a judgmental way. Um, And, yeah, we all just – we're all just on that journey. And we can't be ashamed of the stuff we don't know because you do what you do do with the tools that you have. And, you know, if you don't have the right tools, that's not your fault. It's just time to pick up better ones. So, Yeah, like a spot, like
2: a toolbox. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work, shopify.com work.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mid mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot,
1: Every week my guest and I will be answering your questions and the first one comes in from Maria who says I'm 39 years old and live in Athens. I have quite a few questions about expectations but let's stick to the getting married slash having children issue. Why do people think that this is the only way to happiness and a woman's only purpose in life? This idea is quite prevalent in my country even on birthdays it's the most common wish people give you along with the quote you're not getting any younger reminder. What if I don't want kids now or ever? people also tend to think since i'm good with kids then i should have my own and then key question at the end why is it so
2: hard to accept that each one of us has a different perception of what happiness is so i i i i'm i'm going to answer this but actually using uh something that m said the other day because we, we talk about this a lot actually and we talked about mm-hmm. it on the podcast and it's like we we like humans find it very difficult to relate to one another in terms of like, if we feel something strongly, we find it difficult to believe that the other person doesn't feel it at all. Mm. So, people that have a really strong biological urge to have children cannot fathom that other people don't don't have mm. that and don't want that hence the whole like are you sure narrative or the whole like you'll change your mind or just you wait you know until you hit 30 or 35 and then you'll want kids and I just think I think it's I think it's a lack of understanding and also this is something that we have been taught that's what we do that's what mm-hmm. women do we like make ourselves pretty so that we get a man and then we get married and we reproduce. Like that's what we have been taught that we're supposed Literally to do. The most, so it's like, like it's, it's solid pretty... heteronormative prison of our lives. Exactly. So when we go against the grain, that feels uncomfortable for people, probably for a multitude of different reasons, but it feels uncomfortable mm-hmm. and people don't understand it. And so I get why people, I get why there's a lot of... Um, questioning around it around uh, and to people that who don't want children I understand that but as with everything else we've talked about like it's their issue not yours but it's frustrating and annoying if you've made that choice you don't want children and that's that that's your choice to have it constantly questioned and picked at is really frustrating Mm. um but yeah like we said going back to everything like it's it's totally about them and not about you and just yeah straight you know what you want which is great and you've chosen a path which works for you which is fantastic and stay strong to that what she said yeah love that great answer I mean
1: yeah I just think I mean even even as someone who isn't you know particularly going against what society might expect of me I mean I'm 31 years old I've been in my relationship for seven years I get asked when I'm getting married I mean, at least once a week, and that's in person. Like, it's just, it's one of those things that's just always swirling around. And I think it's also, it's one of those things that that expectation, it's it's kind of like sexism as an issue to me, where people think when we talk about sexism, we're only trying to fix it for women, but actually it harms men and other and marginalized genders as well. It just harms everyone. And this kind of idea, I think, whether or not you're planning on taking that kind of quote-unquote traditional route in your life or you're not the constant kind of questioning about it is just bad for you whatever you're doing I it yeah how we
2: can't let go of it is yeah and and how people think that the audacity of people to think that you won't really have made the right decision until they say to you are you sure and then suddenly you've you've said are you sure and actually now I've changed my (laughs) mind like it's but yeah the pressure is intense I mean I'm nearly 34 and I I only just well I got married last year but it's it's constant like this this pressure to have children and you really like I feel it so much to the point where I feel like I drink decaf tea and I just I just do for my anxiety and I feel like I have to say I'm having decaf tea but mm. not cuz I'm pregnant.
1: Yeah, cuz people are just always ready to be like, "Oh, oh." Always. The
0: the, the barista yeah. in the coffee shop that I go to every morning, I had a decaf, decaf coffee, and he went, "Oh, is that cuz and I honestly, oh. I was like, "How fucking Dare you, sorry, I swore again. But how dare you? You how dare you? And I don't know why it annoyed me so much, but I just think it's the most the more we learn about other people, the more we learn about people's issues and people's lives, and it's so irritating that we consistently and I only can say this because I know I've been one of these people that's thought that my way is the best way, mm. that people still have to inflict their break like their thoughts on your life on you and i'm like you this is do you want to raise the child do do you want to shove Mm -hmm. it out of your vagina because then we'll chat you know what i mean until that Mm -hmm. day until you're going to carry it around and like sort of turn into like a cow then then we'll
1: chat but until then yeah you can go (laughs) i just i honestly think we just need to ban asking women if they're pregnant or not forever unless you're gonna ask men at
0: the same speed like which they just wouldn't do. if alex asked for a decaf coffee they'd be like is that because you're looking after your sperm no <laughs> <laughs> no they wouldn't ask him that they just would give him a decaf coffee because that's what he asked for for
1: the benefit of anyone who doesn't know this is <laughs> i'm talking about her husband not about the alex we're talking to right <laughs> not now not me <laughs> just if anyone didn't understand that part. It, that, yeah that elicits a
0: lot of confusion we have girl al and boy owl now <laughs> it's all good
1: Um, Okay let's move on because otherwise we could do another whole episode on literally that one question. Okay so this is kind of an amalgamated question because a couple of people had asked similar things and it's kind of on the theme of how do we deal with our own expectations of our lives when our plans or you know what maybe we thought might happen is interrupted. So for example there was a question that came in from Ifra who said that she felt like she was off track of what she and everyone else kind of expected of her because she had spent, she spent a block of years studying for exams and feels like other things have kind of fallen by the wayside. And there was also a question from Tamara who said she felt like she'd missed out on a chunk of her early twenties while she was in eating disorder recovery and now kind of struggles to to look at her own expectations of herself and her own life and kind of feel like she's off track um I'm gonna have to kind of then roll that up into an actual question because I've just talked at you but how do we how do we kind of aside from other people's expectations of us how do we try and let go of our own expectations of us when those things get
2: waylaid do you know what I, I just? Sorry, Em. Um, I was answering from my experience with actually two things there. But um, when I was, I mean, I very much had expectations for what my life was going to look like. Um, I was going to get married and then and then have children. And I was with my ex boyfriend from when we were eighteen until I was almost 30 and we broke up when I just before I was 30 and it felt like my world had completely turned upside down and all these expectations for what my life was going to look like were just had been literally flipped on their head and it actually I, I feel initially I really tried to fight it and be like no I, I've got it you know I've got to do something quick. Like I've got to get my life back on track. And actually it was only when I, and it was my mom that really helped me with this. She was just like, and and, and I do have to say for anyone listening, like that was so young, but it just didn't feel yeah. it at the time. Like for what I was expecting and the the path that my friends were on, it felt very suddenly. Like I was really, like my life was completely different to everyone else around me. Um, and as someone who very much likes to follow the crowd, that was terrifying. Yeah. Um, and my mum was like, hang on, take a deep breath. Like, you're absolutely fine. And like, this is your reality now. And that's okay. And let's see what happens from there. And that was the best thing. That was the best thing that anyone like said to me. Cause I was like, oh, hang on. I'm absolutely fine. I'm totally fine. And once you lean into that and like, and I think like, and was saying before, like one of the best things we can ask ourselves is why. And then like the second best thing we can ask ourselves is like, why not? You know, like why not this path now like okay so now I'm single I like I I can't be single now at 30 and then like but why not why not like what's wrong with that like it's okay and if you can lean into that and explore that and like fight that a little bit I think just your expectations are—you you can never like life is so unplanned, and I think the more plans and expectations you have, the more you're just going to be disappointed because it's because life is unlikely to live up to those. So I think, um, yeah, it's it's I think it's really powerful when you can let go of that and be like, okay, I'm going to go wherever this takes me. I also think like
0: you get you get a choice and i again because i always had very high expectations for myself and for everybody around me it was it's very easy then to feel resentment when things go the wrong way and it often leads to unhappiness it's a very direct route to unhappiness really that that resentment because you you resent loads of things i actually said it in the podcast recording that we got we did yesterday mm-hmm. together that i get very angry with myself and i'm i'm much more likely to get angry with myself than i am with anybody else because i do hold myself to this really high standard yeah. and if things aren't going the way that i want them to which they literally never do then i get and i get irrationally angry you know i get i get really 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 angry and i hate the feelings inside me. I hate how I am making myself feel. And something that I've learned through coaching is that you do get a choice. If someone said it, it's a really powerful thing. It's like, you know, when you moan about the traffic, you have to realize that if you're stuck in traffic, you are the traffic. And it's like, whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, say that again. <laughs> if, you're st- if you're stuck in the traffic, then you are the traffic, right? Oh yeah. So it's yeah. really easy just to be so ego-led and to feel like a victim and feel like all this bad stuff's happening to you and feel annoyed and, and feel resentment. Everything I felt stemmed in this resentment that I wasn't pretty like other people. And in my own head, I, I really struggled with my appearance for a long time. And I didn't think I was pretty like everybody else. And I didn't think I was organized like anybody else. And as I've got older, I found all these other things to be you know, berate myself for. and And actually, it's only as I'm getting older that I'm like, oh, my God. I don't have to feel like this. I don't have to feel like this. I don't have to resent myself. Mm. I, I, I can just accept sometimes that this is the way it is. And I haven't got to be angry about it. I haven't got to shout at the car in front of me that I'm stuck in a traffic jam. Because when I do that, I'm not angry with him because he's going to work. I'm angry with me that I got in the car that I didn't leave as always I didn't leave earlier. Mm. But I get so angry and I project it straight onto him. And I'm just using traffic as an analogy, but I'll do it all the time. I used to hate other women because I thought they were, I would put them against myself, thought they were prettier than me. So I wouldn't like them because they were prettier than me. And it it works kind of the same thing. Right. But I I think I always project my own anger onto other people or onto other things because I'm angry with myself for whatever it is, because I've held myself to an expectation and I've fallen short and all I feel is anger. And I hate feeling anger. Like I, it's an, it's such a odds, emotion with exactly who I want to be and with who I am as a person I am optimistic and I love the outdoors and I just love life Mm -hmm. so when I feel all of this anger it makes me it's a vicious circle because it makes me even angrier with everything else and then that makes me even angry with myself that I'm ruining my own life and my own day by just being a dick when I don't need to be and so just choosing it's like I'm actually just going to put this down right now like we are where we are and I am who I am and that's just going to have to be okay today because there's loads of other cool shit in the world and look how stunning this is and like let's go smell a rose and look at a butterfly and i know that sounds bonkers but it's like it is an active choice that i make now when things annoy me and it's like something comes into my head and it's like i press i'm i'm going to show an age here but you, it's like you press the eject button on the cassette so like, i'm going to flip it i'm not having this i'm going to i'm listening to side b because a is just not what i need for my insides right now yeah. and that's been really fun for me to like choose different thoughts which elicit different feelings that's cool that's
1: badass if you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests then follow us on instagram or twitter at good influence gs or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest, and that's if listeners want to find out more about what we've been talking about today. Could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch?
0: I To read, I would say anything by Caitlin Moran, particularly her early books. They completely changed my life and made me realise... Well, that my life was a lie and that things could get better. Right. To listen to, there's a song by an artist called Orla Gartland, and it's called You're Not Special, Babe. And I listen to it every single time I need reminding that I'm not the only person in the world and that everybody feels like I feel and I'm not alone. That sounds brilliant. It's so good. And then to watch... I would go onto Instagram and follow the life coach Jacqueline Hurst and I would watch every single video she ever makes because it will blow the top of your head off every single day and
1: make you (laughs) an infinitely happier person. Excellent recommendations. Thank you.
2: Love that. Okay, so for me to watch... um, I am a bit of a Brené Brown fan. I just love her. And she did a talk uh, called Why Your Critics Aren't the Ones Who Count. And it's essentially, it's a twist on what you were saying, Em, about don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't Mm -hmm. take advice from. And she says, basically, that the only opinions that should matter to you are from the people in the arena with you and not the people looking on from the side and not getting their hands dirty and I really love that um book why has nobody told me this before by Julie Smith which is recently um I think it's it's a fairly recent one but it's absolutely brilliant previous guest on
1: the podcast Dr Julie we love her
2: love that love that um and she it, it's it's amazing at helping to understand our minds better um but it has a really good chapter on a lot you know tying up a lot of what we've been talking about on self doubt and dealing with criticism mm-hmm. that really gets to the root of why it affects us so much and how we can manage it. And, it and it acknowledges which i think is important that we you know we can't just say to ourselves like don't care it's fine don't care because yeah. we do care but it gives it teaches teaches us tools for how to manage it um and so i would say to listen i'm gonna echo M here to listen to anything that jacqueline hurst um who is a life coach she jacqueline actually came on our podcast twice we got her in twice because we love her so much and she basically we had two live therapy sessions with her and what she says is it's just magic and i wish i could bottle up her mindset because it's amazing and it'll really teach you to give less f-u-c-k-s is sorry i didn't want to swear because we've already we've already sworn too much um (laughs) and i also love for for anyone who's interested in all of this stuff because all all of this stuff as well is is rooted in psychology and anyone who loves psychology will love the podcast hidden brain and it also helps you understand your brain so much more and it's fascinating so that's me done thank you for listening and thanks again
1: Alex and M for joining me if you enjoyed the episode I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using and if you've got an extra minute you can leave a rating and a review as well you can also head over next week to the should I delete that podcast where the guest and host roles are reversed and I'm interviewed by Alex and M. see you over there or see you next week